to the Soren Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Braden, and I am joined, as always, by the pineapple from down south in the warm and hot Texas, Alan Pena. Alan, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Uh, it's not warm, actually. It's cloudy. Um, there is expected to be rain, but other than that, pretty good. Just just ending the first of what I say, my, my last first day of first week of class. Uh, it's great. Um, is there some pressure a little bit, but I think mostly when you, it's your last semester, you just feel motivated that you want to get to the finish line and first week we can check it off the box. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, I am too. Uh, just checking off that final semester, thinking about changing my major here at the end. Uh, I heard about that. (laughs) You told me, I'm like, what? Like right now, If, if it was your second semester, okay. It's understandable, but last, just, I'll be like, just finish it off. And then if you want to change your major, do that for your masters. And, but to each his own. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to go crazy on that. No. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been fun. Uh, it could just be senioritis getting to me. Well, we can get into <laughs> that later on in this episode, but Alan, today we're going to be talking about uh, the European Super League. Uh, over there in Europe with football uh, and how it's just, you know, it's not a good thing in our opinion. Um, but we're going to get talking about that. We're going to actually enjoy some life with that. So uh, let's jump right into it then. But, oh, uh, let's do it. Big yeah, time. It's, uh, it's good to be back here on the podcast after getting married last week. It was a wonderful time for me and my wife. Uh, great time. Uh, but yeah. Shout out to Noble Sports guys. Thanks for uh, coming on and covering for me while uh, I was away on the honeymoon. And we just just wanted to say thanks for that. And the F you guys did was wonderful. And it's now released on our uh, platform. So go ahead and give yeah, that a listen. Out. But yeah, so it's good to be back. And let's get right into it. Uh, so, Alan, let's... Uh, I don't know where we want to start. Oh, well, it's just a concept of the Super League. Um, I think most people, they think, some people thought, oh, this is a new thing uh, that is going on in in soccer, Super Leagues. But to be honest, um, this has been talked about. This has been talked about since the 60s and then the 80s. And then later in uh, 2009, I I read a a quote from um, Arsene Wechner, who was the former... Uh, manager and coach of um, of Arsenal stating that this could actually happen in several years. Probably not now, but you'll see these big clubs wanting to um, to control what they want because pretty much they're basically making their leagues better that they're like, we want to make our own. And well, it happened. And um, I, I, I do understand like the surprise. Oh, like from pretty much half the people, but also uh, to me, uh, and also I don't know. I would assume, I would agree. You would agree the same thing. It's not a surprise. This has been talked about. This has been discussed. This has been mentioned, and they've even tried to move the ball big time on this. Yeah, they really have, and I think that's the most disturbing thing is that this was more than just smoke 
there was actual fire behind it. I think a lot of times in sports world, when you hear stuff like this, uh, you take it with a grain of salt, even when it comes from trusted reporters. You know, in baseball, uh, if it comes from Buster Olney, uh, Hassan, or, you know, Tim Kirchin, there's a lot of, you trust it because, you know, those are the named guys. Um, but there's always some smoke that the league will put out that even to these trusted guys, that is just more like uh, it could or couldn't happen. And so you got to take these things and be like, you know, this is just a rumor. It's probably not going to happen. And while we were hearing about these rumors, that's kind of what I was thinking about throughout all this, that, you know, it's just a rumor nothing's going to happen. And, you know, when something eventually did happen now, and it, I just was like, this is not good for European soccer as a whole. And global soccer as a whole, it's definitely not good for either. Yeah, you know what's funny about this? When I first heard this, this happened on a Sunday. It took me three, two to three days to figure this out because I've never in a sports in my life of watching sports never had to think about a topic for like more for like three days to up. Normally it takes me a day or even two at most to process and go forward. But something like this, I never thought it would take me three days. I'm still, even now, I'm still like, what the heck is going on here? Like, and it just goes to show the impact that not only it has on, you mentioned like the Europe on Europe, but also everywhere else around the world. And it really got me thinking about, okay, if this does happen, um, how are the fans going to react? And, and I was like, the fans better start doing something about it. And we should give them a standing ovation because seriously, they, they saw what was going on immediately. You saw those protests and, and when you hear, here's the thing, here was the, the, the crazy thing about it. Um, one of the grandchildren of uh, one of the Liverpool managers at that time. Uh, I forgot his name. I, I was listening to it uh, on the Dan Patrick show when he interviewed uh, Rebecca Lowe from Info, who covers the Premier League. He mentioned to the Liverpool, to Liverpool, I think it was in the letter, to take down his grandpa's statue because he was the one that made Liverpool where they're at mm-hmm. back in the day. That showed to me, like, it's all about the fans. Like, people, the players, they play the game because they know the fans are going to support them. They're going to go forward. And with the Super League, it's just going to be like, okay, yeah, I like to see the big teams play each other, but not like where basically you just, you're just pretty much blindsided everybody. Right. Now, I, I think there's some validity to uh, these clubs wanting to play better competition. Because um, as we've seen in, you know, let's look at the Premier League. Not all the Premier League teams are actually all that competitive. When you look at Man City, Chelsea, um, and Arsenal and United, Manchester United, you know, compared to a lot of the other teams in that league, they're not all that competitive. So it makes sense as to why you'd want to face more of a competitive club 
on a consistent level. Um, but the way they did approach this and the way they formed this league was not in the best interest of everybody. And it really was not the best way. Now, I think there could be benefits to forming this, which we can get into later, but let's just kind of talk, stay on where we're on right now. Like, I just don't think that this was handled very well by the clubs. They've, they didn't involve the fans. They didn't give any warning. A lot of these owners out there, they forget that it's us fans that actually pay for these teams to actually function. Um, we, we buy the merchandise, we buy the jerseys, we buy, you know, the scarves, the hats, the shoes, the socks, the lanyards, you know, the wallets, the merchandise, whatever product they're, they're trying to sell us, mm-hmm. anything with that logo on it, you know, or when it comes to just specific players, we buy those jerseys, we buy those member, those bobbleheads, the memorabilia, we buy all those things, you know, mm-hmm. we buy the tickets, you know, if it's not for us, like the team can't function. All the owners for the past year have been complaining about how uh, they can't afford to keep the team open and perform a season, and yet they want to go ahead and form the Super League. It, it just shows that in the end, they don't, for me, it just shows that owners, whether it be MLB, NHL, NBA, or any of these, this uh, La Liga or Premier League, any of these like major owners, they don't really care about us fans. They just care about what's in it for them. Yeah, and I think even um, – I would even say there was even some cultural uh, shock as well because um, if you look, of those premier six Premier League teams that were in the Super League, if you think about it, three of them are owned by guys from the U.S. Mm. who own different teams. For Arsenal, Stan Kroenke, he owns the, the Los Angeles Rams of football. Mm-hmm. The – Manchester United, you got the Glazer family who owned the Buccaneers who won the Super Bowl. And you got Liverpool who are owned by um, John Henry, who's also the owner of the Red Sox. And I think really they thought, oh, creating this is no big deal. Uh, We'll be fine. But I think they were not prepared to see how their fans in England we're going to react. And I think that is something we could take out of this. Like know your fandom, know your, the people who support the club. Like you gotta, like, if you're going to do something like this, like before you do it, ask the fans, like, Hey, we're going to do this. What do you guys think? We need to hear from you. Or, or even now if there's things that needs to be reformed. Like the champions league has been reformed. It has. Then let's talk with reformation. What can we change? What can we do to make it better? That's how sports has always been. What can we do to make it better? What can we take away that's not going to work? And you just you just do that. You don't you don't you just don't go and do things immediately. I always come back come back to if you're going to make a decision, you make it together. You there has to be a, a unified voice where okay. This is what we're going to do and move forward. But, like, I think this is something we have to take. The owners have to take away. And it's going to take a while for these teams to to have the trust of the fans again. Because trust like that goes away quick. But to get it back, it's going to take time. And they're going to have to 
do everything they can to earn that trust again. And I think part of what, just to pick, go off of that, part of what will help rebuild that trust is the fact that we're starting to see these teams, at least in the Premier League, pull out of this European Super League. Yes. You know, Chelsea's already pulled out. I believe they Man- Manchester City's also pulled out of Manchester it at this City, point. Manchester City, yes. Pretty much, I think everybody now has pulled out from the Premier League. Uh, Serie A, which is basically all three, pulled out. The only ones that are still there, it's basically Real Madrid, Barcelona, and I think Juventus. They're still they're still working on it, but um, they're Juventus about to be out. But to be honest, um, like the guy who started it, Florentino Perez, who is the chairman of Real Madrid, him him doing that. And look, I'm a Real Madrid fan. I will always support the club, but I'm like, and I know he wants to make the game better, but not like that. Seriously, like you just like you have to really look at your surroundings and. I think, and he's someone that he adapts to the times, but I think in this case, he did not. And this is something he has to really, um, he has to really be like, hey, if we're going to do this, okay, let, let's talk about it. Let's, let's make it better. But I think this is where he needs to really find a way to reconsider and to really find ways where he can reform and be part of the solution, not be part of the problem. Agreed. Now, this might be interesting to go on, but I believe there there could be ways where this could be beneficial for European soccer. Yeah, I understand, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, I think this could be beneficial. But the way that this was approached and handled, like, was not very good at all. And you know, I think it could have been handled a lot better. Like, honestly, I think too often in the sports world, we see teams, uh, for lack of a better term, tank, right? Quote, unquote, tank. Just to get better draft position, get better prospect pools, get better lottery, get better, get less, get more money in the bank, so to speak, and get these benefits but in all reality, you're hurting your fandom. You know, we had a, a face. We have a Facebook chat where we talked with uh, Braden Toro of Noble Sports Guy, and he asked us about you know the curse of the Billy Goat. That'd be a fun podcast to get into, which we probably will at some point. But like, in all honesty, the Cubs—they're historically mediocre. They've had one great run back in 2016. And they've had other years where they could have been a lot more competitive than they have been. But, you know, they've just not cared about putting on a winning product. And a lot of teams out there, whether it be the leagues that we're talking about with soccer or NFL, like Toro will talk about, or NHL or NBA, there's so many teams that just don't care about consistently putting out a winning product on the on the pitch or the diamond or the, the court, the ice, whatever field of play they have. And as a fan, it's irritating. And even as a as we're delving into this media world, it's even more irritating. Like, I don't understand how you would want to cover a team that just continually is okay with sucking year after year. 
Yeah, and here's the crazy part about it in soccer. Um, well, outside the U.S., like you lose, like say you're in last place of your of your league, of the top tier league. Guess what happens? You're not getting a draft pick. You're not oh getting prospects that are, is going to help you win. You're relegated down to the next league. And not only it affects the players and the managers there, but also it affects the people who are working in the stands, who are working in the marketing department, because now, like, you're, you're pretty much, you have to get back to, if you want to get back to your league, you're going to have to win. Win, win your second division league to get up to the division one, the top tier. Mm-hmm. And that it does affect psychologically. Like when you, when you're in last place or the last three, depending on league rules, some it's, you have to be the last two, then you're relegated. That's worse. And I think that that's why that's the beauty of it. Like even those teams that never win the leagues, but they try to avoid that position. Cause they, cause these teams know what happens once they get relegated, it's it's a long, long hill battle to get back. It really is. And as a fan base, that, that's got to suck. And I know a lot of media debate in the States has been, should American sports adapt, adopt uh, this relegation type thing, you know? And honestly, maybe they should, you know? The Red Sox would probably be a AAA team right now. Rockies would be AAA. Marlins would have been AAA for a while. Uh, basketball, Sixers wouldn't be, you know, NBA. What other teams in the NBA would probably be rele- relegated down? Mm. The Kings, maybe? Uh, the who? The Kings. The Kings, yes. That's, that's one of them. And, you know, we could sit here and talk about another ones, but, like, you know, in hockey – the Kings, the Ducks, uh, a lot of the, honestly, a lot of the Western division that's in the current league format with COVID rules in play. Um, but San Jose, a lot of these teams would be relegated down because they're not putting up competitive product. And honestly, if you're an owner of those teams, how can you sit there and say, we're having a, our fan base proud of to be this team with this team day in and day out when you don't have a reason for them to actually want to support the team other than the fact that it's the colors. Like, honestly, like, how can you sit there and support the team? You can't. And the relegation, I, I, I get, you know, it's a solution. I get it has its benefits and it, its motivations for teams. But in the end, owners are still going to care about what's in the bottom line, what's in their bottom pocket. And while the, it sucks for the fan base, the players, and the team, do the owners ever really care? Yeah, that that would be something to. I think a lot of people will have to think about and question, and I think this will, like, it just depends who, who owns this team and, and how much they care about winning or how much they care about, uh, saving a couple dollars, in their wallet. Because I get. Players and teams, they have bad years all the time, you know? 
that shouldn't warrant a derelegation, in my opinion, if you just have a, a fluke of a bad season. You know, that happens. But, like, it just, I don't know. There's got, maybe there's, there could be a way to work that, that system better. I don't know. I don't, I'm not too familiar with it. But, like, there's got to be answers somewhere. I just don't know what they would be. And honestly, I think that's why I think the European Soccer League, Super League, as that we're talking about, could be beneficial. Because if we look at it, it's the top tier clubs in all of Europe. We have Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona, Juventus. Uh, there's four from the Premier League. Cause England six has, from the Premier League. So six from the Premier League. And honestly, there's probably a couple others from all around the It's pretty much six from the Premier League, three from La Liga, and three from Serie A. So, it was. That, that like, covers pretty much all of European soccer, essentially, right? Almost. You you could have had the Bundesliga, but Bayern Munich right away. No. You could have had Ligue 1 in France, but obviously Paris, Saint-Germain, No. And I think that uh, that really showed strong, like it, strong leadership in those clubs. I think one, it shows strong leadership, but it also just shows that I think they would could would have been interested had this been formatted differently. Yeah. Like, okay, let's say this European so- Super League is formed. What happens to the Champions League? Does yeah. it? become just another type league where the relegation can happen or where it's easier to get into or in the this new super league becomes the champions league you know like is that how that would work or how are they going to work out the fact that obviously european countries are a lot closer together so it's easier to travel to, to and from one country to the other to play mm-hmm. all these teams in the league but how is travel going to work? How are these different time zones going to affect the players? Um, things like that. You know, it's there's a lot of logistics stuff that I don't think was personally worked was very well worked out or formatted very well, and that's why a lot of these teams are realizing, oh, this needed more work. And whether or not they're dropping out because they're listening to the fans or the fact that they're, but we as fans want to say they are, or it could be they're just realizing this needs more work, and we need to present it to the fans in a different way. And I think that could be what's what's more likely happening. And I think it will. Um, this won't go away, this whole Super League. Um, it, like, it's, it's not going to go away, but I think um, what has to happen, uh, not I think, what I believe what needs to happen is if you're going to do this again, then, okay, you got to present it to UEFA and FIFA. Like, I think um, both of them did a great job in handling this. However, I did disagree with the whole. Oh, you guys are gonna if you got if you if you guys are gonna play in the Super League, then your players are not going to participate in the World Cup or any competition with their national teams. I think that was idiotic. Uh, yeah, I thought really, well, it, it, I thought it was dumb uh, to be honest. Because you take you take away because if you think about it. A lot of these teams with these stars, like if you don't have them in the World Cup, it's going to change everything. You're not going to have that star power 
like or even the start teams they're going to look different and at the end it's it's not only the players that are going to suffer it's also fans from from their countries that are going to suffer and i think to me like like i mentioned great job by both the by both wefa and and fifa to step in and to find to stop it but i just i just think that ruling of the players not allowed to play for their national teams in FIFA World Cups or international competitions. I thought that was dumb. I, I thought really that should have not been included, but I, I understand the reason, but I disagreed with that ruling. No, I do too. Like that's not fair on the players. Like they don't make they didn't make have a say in this the whole formation of the Super League. Like a lot of times getting to play for your national team is a cherished memory and a cherished honor yeah. for a lot of these players. And if you take that away, like it's not fair for them. It's not fair for the countries. And, you know, as someone who's just barely getting in. Hey, can you hear me now? Um, yeah, I can hear you. Sorry <laughs> for the technical difficulties here, but you were saying. Yeah, where was I before I, I cut out? Uh, I, I disagreed on the ruling of um, players not playing for their internet for their countries if they were part of the Super League. Yeah, because like, you know, as I was trying to, as I was saying before my mic cut out, like, it's an honor for these guys to play for their countries. And as someone who's not very big into soccer yet, like I'm still getting into it, you know, like it, it takes away from my experience as well. Like up until now, I've been tuning in to World Cups to support, you know, the countries that I want to support. Like I, I lived in Sweden for a couple of years. So I, I tune in to watch Sweden if they're playing, you know, my, my wife and my in-laws are from Italy. So I'd watch Italy if they're in it playing. Um, you know, so like there's there's reasons for me to support different teams. And if they're not in it, then I tune in to watch the superstars of Ronaldo, Messi, uh, Neymar Jr., uh, Mbappe, like all these guys. And if you say, hey, because you're part of the Super League, you can't play, then what? why to, for me to tune in to watch if my team, the teams that I want to support are not in it? Then you're taken away from my experience as a fan. And that's where I draw the line. And yeah. uh, we have a whole thing on that where I talked about that with the baseball thing going on. So that happened this past off season. So if you want to tune into that, I don't remember what episode it was, but uh, yeah, <laughs> we uh, we'll we'll link it down below. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Like I think that um, I think if you're gonna do the Super League, you have to include like, hey, that they are welcome to play for their national teams, like no matter what, because you mentioned it, it brings a lot of like pride in it. Like I want to represent my country. I want to play for my country and it's great. And plus as a fan, you mentioned all the countries who, who you support. It's the same situation for myself, you know, like watching if there, if I, there were players in that league that were either Mexican or U S or even a or Spain, especially, then okay, like then I'll be like, you kidding me? Like, you we're not gonna have the big time guy superstars there. We're not gonna have 
the the guys who play an important role there at the most important stage. So if I think they I believe they have to allow these players to play for the national teams. If you reform if you do the Super League and this time reformed and talked about, that needs to be included. Because if not, then you're just gonna take away um, the experiences for the players, such for some the manager for the coaches. And also the fans as well. So, I, I, everything you said about representing your nation, it's, it's. I agree one hundred, one thousand percent, and and it's critical to, to like personal love and passion for players and fans. Yeah, like it's, uh, it's what keeps people going. Is this chance to do it, you know, and it's what allows people to sit down and actually enjoy watching these games and these sport the sport you know and if you take that away you're taking more away from them than you probably ever would think and you know like honestly i think having more competitive teams and more competitive uh clubs in all the sports here we cover here in pineapple 22 media is the way to go. But unfortunately that requires owners to maybe spend a little more than they're comfortable with and, or develop their players in a different way and develop their systems differently so that they can actually become competitive market aside, whether you're big market or small market, you've got to put on a competitive product day in and day out. You're going to win and you're going to lose. But if your ultimate goal is to win a championship and actually show that to your fan base, no one's going to really care in the end. As long as you put on that winning product, everyone's going to be happy. Yeah, I do agree with that. And now with the Super League over, um, the great news is there will be Champions League again. Uh, the teams that were the three of the four semifinalists will not get punished. So move forward. I think this is good for the game. Um, it, I would say it's healthy again. Um, it, it still has some sickness in there, but I do believe it, it could be taken care of. And, and it's up to us as not just um, podcasters here and sports analysts, but also it's, it's up to also as fans to like, you know what, let's heal from this together. Let's move on. The Champions League, it's, it's the semifinals. It's right in the corner. And I can't describe how much of an impact this could be. We, we have an opportunity to see history. We have an opportunity to see greatness in, in about a couple of days. So I think this is now, even though it will take a while for the healing of the whole Super League situation, but Champions League is in the corner. We can move forward. And I think the players, I think especially, I would say even the, the teams who were part of the Super League, I think they're going to be motivated because they'll be like, okay, like we were down, but I think this will, this will serve as like, okay, now we got to go play for our fans. Let's regain the trust of our fans again. I agree. And let's take a look at what teams we have going into this first leg of the semifinals we have. And this is from UEFI.com. Uh, just looking at the schedule here. Uh, yeah, so this will be this video will be posted on YouTube. But we have Real Madrid versus Chelsea, 
and Paris versus Man City. Uh, but yeah, before we get into the preview, Alan, I think you're on to something with just how this is going to benefit the fan bases. We're going to see history made in some way, shape, or form. And honestly, like these teams that were in the Super League that are getting pulled out, like it allows for us as a fan base to sit back and be like, okay, like they have a chance to win it all still, you know? The Champions yeah. League is you know, the ultimate league in all of Europe, as far as I understand it, right? So say that again? Like the Champions League is like the MLB of soccer for uh I would say Europe, it's like yeah? the how would I describe that to you? Um it's more like a, the big time the biggest competition there is in soccer as far as club goes. Mm-hmm. The biggest that you can think of. So so, so yeah, I don't so, know how so it's like the top it. tier then like it's like top tier. Oh, it is a top tier competition. Absolutely. Like obviously there's clubs in MLB that aren't all that competitive, but like, if you think of MLB as just the top tier league with, you know, the minor leagues, you know, mm-hmm. not saying, you know, premier or La Liga Serie, that's like minor league or anything, but it's, it's nothing compared to champions. League. That's tra- what we're doing. Yeah, correct. Okay. But yeah, so it, it allows for these fans to sit back and tune in to these games and just be like, Hey, my team has a chance to win it all bring home the trophy you know and bring home the gold so to speak and i get to watch him do it still on this stage there's nothing better and as players you're playing for a bit more because you're going to show these fans hey we weren't a part of this we still we still love you we still want to be with you coaches are going to do that the only people that are really upset by this is the fans and the people that are maybe not so happy about all this is maybe the owners. I don't know. I'm not an owner of a team. Never will be. Uh, but like, it's just, it's mind boggling to me anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so as we look here, let's preview this, Alan, you're, you want to take a, t- take the lead on this. Let's talk about Madrid versus Chelsea. Oh, okay. Yes, we will. Um, obviously looking at this matchup, um, I'll say this about um about Real Madrid. Every time, like they've been doubted or or been like, ah, oh, these guys, um, they don't have a shot. Like they're not the same Real Madrid. Well, guess what happens? They are proving people wrong. I thought against Liverpool, um, I don't know if we're gonna win this game, but after that first leg, three one, winning three one, I was like. Okay, we're gonna win. I don't think Liverpool has a shot, and that's exactly what happens. They're just going out there, proving wrong people wrong. And the core of Real Madrid, which you have the Tony Cross, Sergio Ramos, uh, Rafael Varan, Casemiro, Luka Modric, who signed an extension to stay another season for Real Madrid next season, and their and Karim Benzema, those guys who have been there for years has been keeping it strong. The coach, Sinidin Sidan, who obviously I grew up, he's one of them, he will always be my favorite player. I'll explain why later on. Um, they're keeping it intact and I'm just amazed. And now with uh, Vinicius, they're, he's tw- uh, 20, 21 years old. He is now coming again, coming himself. And I think this is what Real Madrid can do this. Now, Chelsea, um, their youth, 
combined with some veteran leadership has also surprised people. And, and I know the only, the only competition we have was beating Atletico, uh, which was not easy. Um, however, Real Madrid, they had, they had to climb a hill to get there. And I think this is where uh, anytime you do that, um, you're going you're gonna to be ready for the challenges. And if there's anyone that could do it to face this challenge as a Real Madrid, I'm not saying it because I'm a fan. I'm saying this because... I'll say it. Oh, my goodness. Really? You're going to say that? You're going to say that? Okay. But I'm saying this because time and time again, they've even proven me wrong. I'm serious. There are times I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to beat them. Seriously. And here they are. Boom. They're in the semifinals. And and now they're battling. They're, they're in second place of in La Liga right now. So they have a shot of taking away two trophies by the end of the season. But they're gonna have to go against Chelsea, and Chelsea—they're not—they're not gonna be easy either. They—they know what they want. The attack with uh, Kai, with um, Timo Werner and Akim Ziyech, well, is gonna help a lot. And there's a lot of youth in Chelsea, and I think they're like even if Chelsea does not win, I think Chelsea—they're gonna be in there for the long run. And I've seen this a Chelsea team like that in from 2000. Five to like 13 those Chelsea teams they were always competitive in these competitions so even if Chelsea does not win it they're gonna be in it for a while yeah I think so too I think last time we when we first started talking about the Champions League I was I picked Chelsea to go far in this tournament and so far I you've been accurate I've been accurate and while I've you know last time we talked about him I kind of was like eh, maybe not so much because I kind of was listening to your takes because I hadn't seen a whole lot of the games well I've been watching a lot more of these games and you know like honestly like this is a good matchup between two great competitive clubs uh and you know like I'm going to stick with Chelsea one just because I'm going to love talk having the fact that uh if I that they win both these legs and go into the finals I'm going to love holding that over you by the way, you still have to shave your head. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. That, that's going to come. But I think my wife loves my hair so much. I love my hair so much that I'm like, uh, not yet. We'll let it grow until this part. <laughs> the bottom part is gone. But anyway, keep it going. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. And honestly, like, that's just going to be fun uh, to watch happen and see what happens there. Uh Honestly, I, I'm sticking with Chelsea one just because you're going with your fandom, and while I don't really have a leg in this tournament, as you know, I don't necessarily have a team in any with these in the Champions League. I'm going to stick with Chelsea just because one, it's going to irk you, <laughs> and I love doing that. <laughs> and two, I picked them before, and I'm going to stick with my pick. You know, like they're they they've been very helping me out by. Uh, you know, even when I doubted them, they're like, eh, no, you can't doubt us. We're back. I'm like, okay, yeah. I go back to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess that's your team, Chelsea. I That's not a bad team to root for. Yeah, and, you know, like maybe afterwards I end up sticking with Chelsea. I don't know. I'm still – I guess you could say I'm a free agent in the soccer world for, uh, <laughs> for the fan base, you know. That's fair so, enough. Uh, that's, that's accurate. <laughs> I'm the, free uh, agent. All right. We'll come put it that me. way. 
Come so, get me. Uh, soccer fans, come uh, email us at pineapple22media or reach out to us on social media and tell tell me why I should be a fan of your soccer team. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm going to pick it, but we'll, when I do pick my official team, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a podcast episode dedicated to it. Okay. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah. So, the other matchup was uh, Pettis with Man City. Now, I also believe I picked Man City to do well in this tournament. I can't remember for sure, but I think I did. I know I did pick Paris to do very well, to actually bounce back from yeah. making the final. And I think this this matchup, it's going to be, I call this, well, not me, but obviously I've heard others call it the battle of the billionaires. Mm. And the reason why I say this is because both of these clubs are owned by owners from, from the Middle East, pretty much. You got Paris Saint-Germain, who before we never heard of them, or or we have, they're always like either middle of the pack or close to last in the in league un. But ever since the Qatar sports investment came in, which with one of them was Nasser Al Khalifi, that's when the big bucks started rolling in. That's when that's where Slatan was one of the first signings they had. Tiago Silva, uh, Marco Verratti, there's a lot of names, Edison Cavani to now. Neymar, Kylian Mbappe, um, to Julian Draxler, even to Keller Navas, who, who he has an opportunity to go back to the Champions League final in the in the last three of the four champion four Champions League editions. Think about that. Like that will be something incredible for that to happen. And also for Manchester City, they're owned by City Football Group, which they come from Dubai. And and ever since they own, they came in in 2008, and ever since they have been in the league, they have become Manchester United's equal as far as winning championships. Even though Manchester United fans, they're still gonna say, nope, they're still the little brother. They're they're not equal to us. They don't have the history, the tradition. Well, in my in my opinion, they actually do. They had the consistency. They're not playing as a better team and. I would say they're they're equal, but as far as Europe is concerned, they're not equal to Manchester United in that. They have to win a Champions League to validate that. So it's going to come down to who – it's really that because they both have the same ambition goal is to not just get to the Champions League final, but to win it. And that that's why it's dubbed the battle of the billionaires. Yeah, and, you know, these teams, they're – honestly, I think – Unfortunately, these games are going to be playing while I'm at work, so I won't watch them live. If I have a chance, I'll watch them afterwards. Yeah, but like I know. <laughs> it's 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 going to be interesting because I don't I don't know which team's going to win. Uh, I can't. I know I said I'd pick Chelsea before just because I'm going with them, but like honestly, between Paris and Man City, like I have no clue. And I think it's going to be a great matchup, and it's going to be a fun watch. And I'd- Go ahead. I can't wait to watch and see what happens. I think, yeah. honestly, like, Paris has the firepower to do it. I mean, when you have star players like Mbappe on the team, like, you, special things are going to happen. Um, yes. So, with that, I'd lean towards Paris because I think they also have the help to help Mbappe succeed. 
and have the team succeed in that realm. But honestly, Man City just keeps proving us wrong time in and time out whenever we say, eh, no. They, they come in and they find themselves in a position like this. And it it's honestly not all – it's not too surprising for me. Like Yeah. And I think for Paris to win, what Neymar has to play big time again. Like he – when Neymar is out there playing, making plays and scoring – we see a different Paris. And here's the thing with Neymar. Um, there are times Neymar is even mentioned as the one of the best players in the world. We all talk Mbappé, Mbappé. But in reality, Neymar is, he's the one guy who he just, like, eases Mbappé. Like, okay, like, you open, I'll get it to you. Or I will create for my own if Mbappé gets double team, which... That is something Manchester City is going to figure out. They, their defense is not coming along, um, which they've always had a great defense, but it's been up and down. But now they're coming strong again, and this is where Neymar has to really like stomp on the ground and be like, "Okay, you, what about me? You think I, I can't do the same thing? Or oh, just watch." So this is where he has to show his presence there. As for Manchester City, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, like. He's unbelievable. Like the guy, um, if he's he's the one guy you could put him in the center field, but he will in the midfield, but will attack. Mm. He is looking to score, but he's also because of his skill, he's gonna find the open guy. Like that's how his presence versus Borussia Dortmund. Like I was like, wow. Like that's the Kevin De Bruyne that I know, and that's that's how guys like Phil Folden. Foden are going to find the net. Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, or even um, Bernardo Silva are going to find, they're going to create opportunities, and he has to show the presence. So it's pretty much going to be which player, Neymar or De Bruyne, can show the presence on the field. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. You, Whenever there's a good, successful star player, there's always someone behind him setting him up and helping them get there. You know, MJ had Pippen. Kobe had Magic Johnson to start off with. Uh, Trout really hasn't had anybody, except for now he has Shohei Otani. You know, uh, Nolan Arenado had Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman. Uh, Nathan McKinnon had Gabriel Landeskog and uh, Nico Rantanen. And, you know, like, all these players, great players like Connor McDavid has Lionel Dreisaitl. All these wonderful players, they've had teammates that, while they might not be as well known as the star player of, you know, these with these name calibers, they they were there to help set them up and get them there. And I think that's going to be key, whether it's Neymar or this this other guy, I can't remember. Kevin De Bruyne? Yeah, De Bruyne. Uh, whether it's Neymar or De Bruyne, we don't know, but we do know that they're both going to have effect on this game as the setting up guy. And if you can set up, you're going to win. And the more successful setups you have and the more pressures you have and the more you're in the offensive zone is the more the more chances you have of winning this game. And I know I kind of talk sounds like a little hockey guy there, but there's some similarities in field setup with hockey and in, in soccer. There's the offensive zone, the neutral zone, and well, not so much the neutral zone. You got midfield, um, but you got an offensive zone and 
and that's as far as you can go. You know, you got to be the longer you're in the offensive zone and putting pressure, eventually the other team's going to make a mistake and you're going to win and score that goal and you're going to win that possession and then it starts all over again and you got to see if you can do it all over again. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's going to be great about this matchup is whose presence, who will show their presence and they're going to do it big time. So I, this is going to be a matchup as well that it's going to be great. And this is the benefit of the Champions League. Like the best are facing the best. And this is what we're looking for. The best versus the best. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And that's why I think the Champions League is what it is. Because you will get the best. Heck, I don't care what league you're from. You're there in the semifinals, because, in the final four, because you are the best. And that's what we're going to get. The best. The best players. The best teams. The best out of everybody. And this is why is the beauty of the Champions League, the beauty of any sport, because you will get the best out of everybody and the best teams are going to be there. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe there could be some changes done to the Champions League if this wrap it all up. And there has been changes already. Like if the Super League is, and these teams really want better competition, maybe they do something with the Champions League, make it more of a full-time league or something, and then have the Super League be kind of what the Champions League is. I don't know, but that's just kind of wrapping it all together with everything we've talked about today. That That's an option and maybe a possible solution. I don't know. Yeah, it could be, but we'll find out. But all, all we know is we're going to have the best teams in the Champions League. Seriously. Jeez. It's just incredible. <laughs> it like, is it really incredible. Is. I, I know... You, how many times you is this your first Champions League that you watched? It really has been, yeah. And I and, and how's I that going not, for you? How's that I have experience? not been disappointed at all. Like I have just been truly amazed. And you know, like I watched a lot of Major League Soccer. For those that don't know, that's the American League. And to be honest, it sucks. It's not. It's not when you watch like this. It's ten times better than Major League Soccer. Yeah. And there's there's no other stamp of approval than I can give and I have been converted to soccer <laughs> that's awesome yeah I've watched this like, competition go ahead I've watched go ahead oh okay I've been watching this competition since 2005 12 years old and never been disappointed like it's a lot of trash talk as well it's one of those tournaments that it's like okay we'll see you in We'll see you in the Champions League. And that is wonderful. Like, that is what you get in soccer. Like, like I've been, it's been 16 years watching the Champions League, and it always gets better. And, and yes, if you have to reform it, reform it, but together. And here, this, this, this is like, you're, you're only going to get the best here. And, and it just shows how much the Champions League does to people. And hopefully when Europe can get their act together as far as vaccination, we will be at a Champions League game. We will watch it in person and hopefully we'll get to, we will podcast whether we are in Madrid, whether we are in London or Rome, Paris, we will be there. 
and that only makes it better. So soccer is blessed again. Soccer is will get healthy, and the Champions League is going to be that starting point from the rest moving forward. No, I wholeheartedly agree with that, and like honestly, it's going to be awesome to sit and watch a, a game in a European stadium. For those that don't know, I'm going to pause my video real quick, and I'm going to show some, something. So this picture that you can see is of me when I did a study broad trip in Russia, and I got to watch uh, FC Zenit go against uh, – I can't remember who they played anymore. I'd have to look at the team. But it, it was one of the stadiums you might recognize from the World Cup from a couple of years ago. And I got to go and sit in that stadium and watch a real live, a live soccer game. And it was one of my favorite experiences from that trip because it, it was different. And I just love sitting there. And I think they had over 40,000 fans in that, in that stadium when it can hold up to like almost 100,000 plus. But like, man, was that amazing to see and experience. And I can't wait to see if we can ever experience it again next time we're over in uh, – we're overseas, Alan. Yeah, and it will. It will happen. Just hang in there, Europe. We will be there to witness. Well, I know Brandon has a Russia, but myself, any Europe, any soccer stadium, we will be there. And again, soccer is will be healthy again, and the Champions League will that will set the tone forward until. It, until the final, which will be around, which will be May twenty fifth, if I'm correct. But regardless when it is, the final, it's gonna lead as far as the recovery for the super of the aftermath and and again for fans, soccer fans. I know this is tough, but hey, we're it's only gonna get better from here. And keep keep cheering for your teams. Keep it going. Whether it's the big league teams like Manchester United, Real Madrid, or Juventus to like the small teams, whether it's Levante, whether it's um, Burley, or whether it's Lazio, it doesn't matter. Keep it going because this is how our game will get better. It is through us as the fans and the players list, list, gravitating to that and pushing it onto the field. Agreed. And as we're wrapping up here, guys, let's uh, just say, you know, a couple things and thanks. You know, we we saw a great growth in our podcast last semester or last month, and we couldn't be more than excited. And we're so excited to keep bringing you content on a, on a weekly, daily basis if necessary. We just love the fact that people like tuning into what we have to say about sports. And it's the whole reason we're doing this. And I don't know. It, it's thankful. It's just awesome to see. And, you know, we have people from all over the States and a few European countries. Uh, to those out there, just just know we love the fact that you're here and you're tuning in just to hear what we have to say about some of the sports you love. Yeah, and we couldn't do it without you guys, and we're still going to keep it going. So you always, you always are with us, and keep pushing our dream as we will continue to push our our sports knowledge into context and to really um, just enjoy, enjoy the ride. Yeah. Um, we'll do a couple of shameless 
plugs here, uh, so bear with us. We now have a YouTube channel, a couple videos from our series debut, as well as our MLB opening day reaction episode is now on YouTube, as well as any clips that is going to be found posted on these videos will be also be posted on social media, as well as the YouTube channel. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, go get some merch from our merch store. Links are in our social media. Once again, you can find us at Pineapple22Media. And from all of us here at Soren Sports and Pineapple 22 Media, good but good day, and we hope to see you next time. Stay safe out there. Stay safe and stay positive.